Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, we did it, ladies and gentlemen. We are here. Get hyped. It is WrestleMania week, the most stupendous week of all time, SP3, or at least that's what WWE would lead you to believe. Hey, believe. See, again, we, we do a lot of believe. B-L-E-A-V. Correct. Correct. We got a lot to get into today as we kick off our WrestleMania week coverage. Some big news breaking toward the end of last week, including uh, the in-ring retirement of the game Triple H. She told Stephen A. Smith he has to step away from the ring. I feel like we should have water bottles and be spitting stuff, but I don't want to get my equipment wet. Uh, that he has to step away from the ring due to his uh, recent health scare. So we'll we'll talk into we'll, we'll dive into his career and his legacy and what's moving forward for him and WWE now that he is not there. Uh, also, we got some announcements on Saturday night that are just downright or Friday night, excuse me. They're just downright disrespectful to the mid card championships. Like they can't be more disrespected than they already are. But we'll get into that. Also, if you look at night one versus night two, maybe one's a little bit more stacked than the other one presently. We'll talk about that. Also, WWE has filed for an interesting trademark. What could that be? People always get nervous, SB3, when WWE files these trademarks because more often than not, they're dumbass names. And I think this one is another dumbass name, but I have an idea that I think can make this something really, really cool. Also, Tony Khan says he's signing somebody to the AEW women's division on Wednesday. A lot to get into. But first things first, we have to thank our friends over at Bet Online. It is that time of the year. College basketball is taking center stage. The Final Four is set. It is set. And if you're still looking to wager, and if you're one of these people like me, where your bracket is busted because all the number one seeds are pretty much out of this damn thing, they have a ton of prop bets. And if you're still alive, you can still win the big grand poobah prize for their bracket contest. Somehow, if you're still alive, head on over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first deposit, and just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting, favorite Vegas casino games, everything. Bet online, it is where the game starts. And SP3, we will start with the unfortunate news that came out toward the end of last week that Triple H uh, will not wrestle again. Ever. This is not a, a work. This is not a, a possible, oh, he's got some kind of an injury that he might be able to come back from down the line. He is done. Uh, his most recent health scare, um, he, he had heart failure. He told Stephen A. Smith on ESPN that uh, he was on the one-yard line of death. That is how serious this got for him. Very serious, very quickly. And... Man, like the this is one of those interviews that just kind of tugs at your heartstrings, especially, you know, if you're in our situation where we are fathers of very young kids, at least Triple H's are in their teens. But he's talking about, you know, going under for these heart procedures and wondering if he's going to be waking up from this and you know, what he's going to miss out on, you know. Life after pro wrestling. So, I mean, I think looking at the grand scheme of things, yes, it sucks that he's not going to get to have that big send off that he deserves. He's not going to get to choose who his final opponent was, 
But at the end of the day, this is a guy who's already accomplished so much. There really were no loose ends for him. It's like, what, what else could he possibly do? And there are more things more important than professional wrestling at the end of the day, SP3. Yeah, that's the most important thing. And you could tell it's a very emotional subject for him, even thinking about it as he was talking to Stephen A. Smith. And you got to shout out Stephen A. Smith because he did a very great job in that interview, allowing Triple H to speak freely, you know, get the information that we needed. Him talking about, you know, even they had plans for him to be at WrestleMania 38 in a match before this whole thing went down. But, you know, I think that a lot of fans are feeling like you they're just thankful that triple h is still with us because one of the sad things about scott hall's passing is you don't really know if he knew how important he was to so many people so many friends you know his friends his family probably didn't know about them but the fans that have said that you know they had an emotional connection with scott hall you, you don't always get the flowers before while you're still here and the game announcing his in ring retirement has allowed fans to celebrate his career talk about the memories and the you know the the big time memories like someone like me that was there live in 2002 for his return from the quadricep injury in madison square garden getting sucked into the moment for someone that i always i always consider triple h like my most hated wrestler and he'll take that as a compliment because he was so good at being the bad guy at being the heel the mcmahon helmsley regime the game evolution the reign of terror there was all these things that i just didn't like about him but he was that heel that i just hated and i wanted anyone and everyone to defeat him and like i said here on the believe in pro wrestling podcast the rock defeating him at backlash 2000 is in my all-time greatest wrestling memories and there's been so many memories that triple h has provided to so many different fans and his fingerprints are all over the wwe for what he's done outside of the ring so you know i think we're all hopeful and praying for the fact that he can get even more healthy and return to that part of this business because he can have a further impact on the industry like he has over the last couple of years but as far as in the ring triple h has a career that will stand the test of time some of the greatest theme songs i've said it on a couple of different things the greatest catalog of theme songs you can ever remember one of the best heel characters a part of some of the most influential stables of all time, whether it be Degeneration X, Evolution, whether it's behind the scenes with the click, whether it's yeah. in front of the screen with the authority, he has been a part of a lot of memorable things and he's going to be very missed for his in-ring career. It's it's so funny. You know, I hear so many people say, I hated this guy growing up. I loved, I loathed this guy growing up, he was, you know, the, the antithesis of my childhood, right? Like he was the antagonist is what I meant to say. Um, man, for, for me, I, I'm, I'm in the minority here. I always like, I always dug triple H. Like I always did whether, whether it was baby face or heel, because people talk about Scott Hall being cool. And yes, he, he, he just oozed coolness. But for me, it was, it was triple H too, man. Even when the, the anti-authority stuff and, you know, the promos that he would cut, the quick one-liners, the the sarcasm, the entrance music you talk about, yes, but just the entrances. I mean, all the cool shit that this guy got to do throughout his, his career. If you took, like, the top 10 WrestleMania entrances of all time, Triple H would have, like, eight of them. 
Like the guy just got to do just so much cool stuff. And he was like from the, the leather jacket or the, the denim ripped vest. It's like everything that he did was just so damn cool to me. And I always like, he was that cool heel that I really, really liked, but also he created for some of my favorite moments. And yeah, you could look at you know, all the big stuff, you know, with the rock dating all the way back to, you know, the, when they're fighting over the Intercontinental Championship or the WWE Championship, what he did with Mick Foley, obviously what he did with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels. But looking at like some of the little stuff that he did, like taking a step back and working with a, a younger kid like Jeff Hardy, when Jeff Hardy beat him for the Intercontinental Championship, holy God, that was one of the biggest like young kid pops I've ever had in my lifetime. I'm running around the, the dang living room my parents are looking at me like what the hell is wrong with me didn't matter that matt hardy hit triple h with the steel chair to put jeff over it didn't matter man uh, or even the work that he did with chris jericho like helping to get chris jericho back over the top remember when jericho beat him for the wwe championship on raw that one night crowd went absolutely nuts he's always been great at working with other opponents I know he has the reputation of, oh, it's Triple H with the golden burial shovel. And there are instances of that happening back in the day. It is a, a dog eat dog, all about you kind of business. But uh, you said SP3, he's got his fingerprints everywhere in this business. And he has helped a lot of talent. Not all of them, but he has helped a lot of talent, both working with them as a performer and then his post wrestling career, at least full time wrestling career. Yes, here we'll, we'll be, you know, glowing and celebrate his career over on True Hill Heat 168. We had a very honest discussion about Triple H's career where we talked about the bad and the ugly of Triple H. Oh, and some, of, yeah. some of the things he's said, especially for me as an African-American fan, I will never forget the build up to WrestleMania 19 and some of the things he said to Booker T and then. Of course, what happened at WrestleMania 19, I will forever be Kanye West, and he will be George Bush to me, and I will say Triple H don't like black people, or he don't like black men, because he's put over, he's created a career for Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, so he likes black women, but I don't know about <laughs> black men, but, you know, we can celebrate his career and talk about, you know, all the things that he has contributed to this industry, and like I said, I think that his legacy goes further beyond his in-ring career, so it's not it's not something to really be all that sad about. It's about celebrating the memories that he did provide and, you know, the guys that he was able to work with. You talk about the stuff with Jeff Hardy in 2001. I think more of the stuff that helped Jeff Hardy was really the feud in 2008 where he chased the world heavyweight, yeah. the WWE championship with Triple H all over on SmackDown. I feel like that was the point where Triple H was like, you know what? Now I'm going to try to help the future guys. I think for, for a while there, there was like a seven year plan, a seven year point where he wasn't thinking about that. But when we got into 2008, helping Jeff Hardy, and then even further than that, his work with Sheamus in like 2010, uh, you know, it was a lot of different things where he helped out. And then further into his career, he was the, the reason why Ronda Rousey got off on the right foot and her WWE run. Uh, he was the guy that Daniel Bryan beat before he was able to win yep. the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 30. He's worked with Seth Rollins ahead of WrestleMania 33. So, he, like I said, his fingerprints are all over for what he did outside of the ring, but inside the ring. He, in his latter years, he was able to help out a lot of different superstars. So, you know, Triple H 
so many different memories and like the small stuff i've seen so many people mention when uh lillian garcia announced him as the former world heavyweight champion and him sprinting and lillian a goat sprinting in heels <laughs> through the crowd as triple h chased her down it was just so many great stuff and really i i think like i said before we did a whole conversation on true hill heat 168 and we each did our mount rushmore of triple h rivals and literally all three of us had different answers or little little changes that we would put one person over the other. And you can do a list of like 10 or 12 different guys who you can consider your favorite Triple H rivalry or rival. And that just says a lot about his career. Yeah. And I don't I don't think there's a right answer there because he did have such a storied history with the right answer is always what SP3 says. Well, OK, who'd you say? I, I said The Rock. Because that was just, they just built each other. They were like on a race with each other, just, sure. and they elevated each other every step of the game from Hunter Hearst Emsley, Rocky Maivia, to the leader of DX, first the leader of the nation, to getting a shot at the WWE championship, to feuding over the WWE title. I don't think that Triple H would be remembered or have the memories if without the rock so i think that he has to be in your mount rushmore Shawn michaels because yes. that feud just they were able to come back to it and they had so much history with each other the undertaker for those wrestlemania classics that's that's really puts him in the upper echelon and the one that a lot of people will forget or don't give a lot of credit to mick foley because yes. i feel like mick foley is integral in making triple h a main eventer a main event star so those are my four that i would put on the mount rushmore triple h rivals yeah and that's very interesting because that's exactly what my my four would be uh to be completely aware. we don't see eye to eye very often but yes that would be my four now if you told me to sit here and rank the four uh i i couldn't just put them in a just put them in a jar <laughs> shake them up and toss them down on the ground whatever yeah, there, there, there is no there is no wrong or right answer with that. Like with that, it le legitimately, I had you know Chrissy Love was like Randy Orton is in her Mount Rushmore, and you know uh, Professor Chris who was on our show, he said Batista is in his Mount Rushmore. So, so there was people in our chat who said Stone Cold is in their Mount Rushmore. None of these answers are wrong. Le no, legitimately, make an argument for any of those guys. No, they're they're not. And you know, I think if you look at Triple H, you talk about The Undertaker. Like, The Undertaker's legacy, like, really, like, cemented itself during those four years that he fought Shawn Michaels and Triple H back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back at WrestleMania. And Taker's even said this. Like, before those matches, he was never known as the banger guy at WrestleMania. It's when, it, it's, like, he was racking up the numbers, sure, but he never really had those, those, show stealing matches that was just never his character that was just never his style inside the ring he's talked about moving slow and methodically and yeah i can do a tope suicida but why the hell would the undertaker do that that was always been his kind of thing but then all of a sudden it's like Shawn michaels wants to be the guy to knock off taker and it becomts like this personal thing and it's like oh well crap well uh, Shawn michaels couldn't do it now it's triple h who's trying and it's like the end of the era which should have been the end of an era and then you know we had like five more undertaker matches after Should that have been the end of the streak the end of both of their in-ring careers and it would yeah. have been i think we all would be looking at the last couple of years a little bit more fondly on the both of them if yes. they just would have ended it right there and i feel like 
those are I wouldn't say bangers, but those is when the Undertaker had endurable cl- WrestleMania classics that yeah. will be up in everyone's like top five, top ten of all time. I feel like the matches with Batista at twenty three and then Edge at twenty four; those were the first ones where I say he had bangers. But twenty five is just an all time classic. If you yeah. don't have that in your top two, top three WrestleMania <laughs> matches, I don't know what's wrong with you. WrestleMania <laughs> twenty six is what it is. If if you don't call that the greatest. WrestleMania main event is definitely in your top two, top three, and then twenty seven was is very underrated because of how great the end of an era Hell in a Cell match and the emotion that that bring. But that was a great match. Both of those matches with Triple H, yeah, I would say that Undertaker, yeah, definitely solidified his WrestleMania classics in those four years. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's had such a he's left a mark on some of the guys who are already all time greats. And yes, he had a Hall of Fame solo career. He's already in the, and you could say what you want about the WWE, it not really being that big of a deal. And it's, you know, kind of political and this, that, and the other thing. But it doesn't take away the fact that by the time things are all said and done, he's probably going to be a three-time WWE Hall of Famer. He's already in there with D-Generation X. Evolution will probably be put in there at some point, and he's going to get his solo induction too. Um, so it's going to be him and, and Ric Flair who are going to be three-time WWE Hall of Fame induct- inductees. That's pretty damn remarkable when you're talking about, say what you want about Ric Flair the man, but Ric Flair, the on-screen character, the wrestling icon that he is, when you're on the same level as he is, that just shows you how successful it is his career was. And that yeah. and the amazing thing is, is yeah, we never really... We may yeah. get we may get a third uh, three-time uh, because of the groups you mentioned, Xbox. He might if oh, he eventually if he eventually goes in on his own, he's a three time Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, you're right because he hasn't uh, he hasn't gotten that solo induction yet either. So yeah, that's that says a lot about X Pac too. But and when you talk about the greatest groups of all time, I mean right off the bat, you talk about the Generation X as being one of them up there with with the Four Horsemen and Evolution uh, in there as well. So I mean he's he's definitely had a mark and he helped make Randy Orton and Batista. He helped elevate them up to that main level. His mark is everywhere in the ring. And then you look at everything outside of it as well at post, like again, that full time wrestling uh, part of his career. And the reason why I mentioned, you know, there's the three groups that he had on camera in WWE that are just some of the greatest with evolution DX and the authority, but the click, like this is the guy that was supposed to be the bottom tier member of the clique. Uh-huh. And the fact that he has gone on and probably had a greater career than all the other guys outside of Shawn Michaels, and me, but <laughs> all the, almost all the other guys in the clique, the guy that was kind of the last member added to the clique and the clique represents nwo represents dx like so many groups from this this little uh this little band of friends who came together and really took over the industry and the fact that triple h really took over the industry by going uh, you know working with the mcmahon family and you know mary and stephanie and they're creating another further legacy with their children so yeah triple h his career his in-ring career especially it's one of the all-time greats. We'll dive into uh, because we talk about there's there's so many things you can pinpoint in his career. We'll 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 dive into that just a little bit uh, when we get into the uh, the five count uh, as well. Got a lot of other things we got to do as we set up WrestleMania week, and there is the full schedule of what we got coming up for you now through next Monday, including 3 p.m. this afternoon. 
If you are watching this right now, make sure to like, subscribe, share, click the little bell so you get the notifications because coming up at 3 o'clock this afternoon is my conversation with Montez Ford ahead of WrestleMania 38. And let's not forget, SP3, this is a big weekend ahead for Montez Ford, for Angelo Dawkins as well. They've competed at WrestleMania before. Yeah, WrestleMania 36 in front of one fan, an industrial one, spinning in the ceiling at the WWE Performance Center. Last year, they were left off of WrestleMania inexplicably. The SmackDown Tag Team Fatal 4-Way was put on WrestleMania SmackDown, so they once again missed out on performing in front of a Tampa Bay crowd. So this is really Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, their first real chance to shine on the main event scene, the grandest stage of them all at WrestleMania 38. And spoiler alert, he has promised to steal the show. That is a bold, bold statement. Uh, again, we're going to have our Raw and NXT and Dynamite shows, True Heel Heat Takeover SP3 this coming Thursday. Tell them about it. Absolutely. It will be myself, uh, the face in the east of the True Hill Heat YouTube channel, Romeo Anthony Cologne, who you've seen on here, Review Revolution with Rick, and also the true draw, Josh, one of the great artists in wrestling. So uh, we're going to have a little fun talking about AEW Dynamite and continuing our WrestleMania week into Friday. And then on Friday, 7 a.m., Quabam, the most stupendous prediction show of all time with the very fabulous Renee Paquette joining us to break down this entire 11-match card so far. Hopefully, by the time we record this, we'll have a few more matches uh, to break down because for a two-night event so far, SP3, it's a little light. It's a little light, and we will dive into that here uh, on the five count. But first things first, got to give a shout-out to our friends over at Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it is important to choose one that is top Quality with one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you are absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day off right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It is also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar, no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It is just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That is it. It's that simple. To make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you your free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That is B-L-E-A-V. Again, athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Should also mention, by the way, that at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday is going to be the first ever Believe in Pro Wrestling live podcast as we break down night one of WrestleMania and get you set for night two. So make sure to join us. Get your comments in. Like, share, subscribe. We appreciate you. SP3, we talked for 20 minutes about the career of Triple H that spans three decades now. And it's going to continue as he can, continues to put his footprint out there in his post-wrestling career. What do you think Triple H will be remembered for most? Um, If we're just talking about his in-ring career, he's going to be remembered as one of the greatest heels of all time. Triple H just 
you know, I, I even just coming in as the blue blood, he did good work on the like the undercard being the the second the sidekick of Shawn Michaels with the generation X. That was good work as well. Um, you know, the DX 2.0 just became too popular for him to continue being a heel. But then he he's the one that ended DX uh, by, you know, turning on Xbox at WrestleMania 15. And that really started me truly hating him where I could say I hated him after he broke up DX because I love that DX iteration so much. And when he broke it up, I just hated and despised him into becoming the game and and coming into the McMahon Helmsley regime like that was just the the all t- one of the all-time great heel acts in my opinion and then into turning on Shawn Michaels in 2002 into the evolution era and the reign of terror and what he did into from 2003 through 2005 his feud with Batista turning on Randy Orton in evolution turning on Ric Flair later on like he has he is he probably has the most betrayals of anyone in wrestling history because of the amount of people he was associated with and then proceeded to turn on triple h is one of the all-time great heels i put him in the conversation with the uh rick flares of the world like he and that and that's probably the biggest badge of honor for him because he was such a big rick flair fan and he's like the closest thing to what rick flair was in the 80s triple h was able to accomplish that so as far as his in-ring career that's what he's going to be most remembered for. But overall with his career, it's going to be what he's done outside of the ring. But I think it's right to only talk about his in-ring career because that side is not over yet, hopefully. You know, I think the one that hurt the most, right, was when Shawn Michaels first came back and, you know, Triple H had had his run on top and they come out to the degeneration because Shawn Michaels had that, that glorious idea. And they come out there and the crowd is losing their damn minds and the roof is blowing off the joint and Triple H just grabs the microphone and he's like, are you ready? <sighs> crowd losing their damn mind. He's like, let's get ready to suck it. Drops the microphone and gives trip and gives Shawn Michaels a pedigree. Yes. And then the feud that pursued after that, where he was like, you just just like blaming Michael's ego. Cause that was the thing. It was like, nobody's ego was bigger than Triple H's. <laughs> nobody's was but then he had the unmitigated gall to say that Shawn michaels ego he just couldn't handle being triple h's number two he just couldn't handle being in triple h's corner and helping him out and passing the torch and then that set off again we, there's a reason Shawn michaels his longtime friend is also one of his top four rivals in both of our opinions to me that will always be one of the ones that was the one because like i said i was always kind of a triple h guy but that one pissed me off <laughs> when that first and, and the SummerSlam 2002 video package is one of the all-time greats like i put that up there with wrestlemania 17 rocking austin with daniel with brian danielson daniel bryan ahead of wrestlemania 30 monster uh Tr- uh sean michaels running up that hill with wrestlemania 26 with the undertaker like these are some of the greatest video package ww has ever done SummerSlam 2002 with michaels and triple h is right up there with those as far as answering the question, what I think it should be is, is longevity because this is a guy who, you know, he could have, I mean, I don't know if he could have been as successful as some of the other guys who, who left early on in the two thousands before, you know, John Cena really kind of showed up and took the whole thing out because let's be honest, we, we all saw blade three. All right. He, he had no future in acting, but, uh, 
um, <laughs> I mean, to be to be fair to Triple H and to be honest about Triple H, uh, he was always Attitude Era number three. He was always number three behind Rock and Austin. And it took those guys kind of going away and, you know, getting a little bit of power where he was able to kind of solidify himself as the guy for a point in WWE. But then he used that to, you know, help out others like Batista and really solidified and made Batista a star in 2005. So, yeah, I mean, he was a main event level guy that was just, again, like you said, outshined by The Rock and Austin. And it's nothing against Triple H. It's just that's how monumental that those guys grew to be. They took over the industry. I mean, you could say the same about all the other guys who were around at that time. Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Mick Foley. Everybody was under the shadow of Rock and Austin back then, and that included Triple H. But he went on to have almost like a separate Hall of Fame career after both of those guys left. And again, helped elevate everybody that, that, we, that we ran down. Daniel Bryan. Um, you know, Batista, Randy Orton did his best to try and and fix Roman Reigns, even though more people ended up cheering for him in that 2016 yeah. feud than Roman Reigns. Like like I said, I, I want to celebrate Triple H, but I got to be honest, I really wouldn't give him Daniel Bryan because he did more to hurt Daniel Bryan and kind of wanted to. There was a lot of points in Triple H's career where he saw the spotlight on somebody and he was like, you know what? I'm going to go over here and share some of that spotlight. And Daniel Bryan was one of them. We would never put CM Punk in the in the options of people that he helped out. And um, there was someone else you said where I was just like, no, he didn't really. He didn't really help or elevate him. Batista he is Randy Orton is one of the victims of the reign of terror because Randy Orton turned heel at the wrong time because Triple H wanted to be the top heel. He turned Randy Orton at the wrong time and really kind of killed the trajectory of Randy Orton for a but, while. And then WrestleMania 25, when Randy Orton should have won and solidified himself as the top heel, Triple H won that one. So I mean uh, he not, helped not, he helped not, Randy Orton not, in evolution. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Just actually elevating Batista, Batista and Randy Orton standing next toe to toe with Triple H and Ric Flair. It brought them instant credibility. It helped elevate them up to a new level. It's like these people who complain that Daniel Garcia is now with Chris Jericho and the calling himself a sports entertainer. Do you not realize what that's going to do for Daniel Garcia? Like that immediately elevates him from a guy who's going oh, he's been having some really good matches and he's won a few and he's lost a few and he's got this comedy game. No, now he's with Chris Jericho. All right, now he's been elevated up a level. That's what I'm talking about with Batista. That's what I'm talking about with Randy Orton. Yeah, did Triple H kind of put himself over a little too long? Absolutely. Was the only reason why he put Daniel Bryan over at WrestleMania despite CM Punk? Yeah, probably. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's also what he has done as a footprint for the entire business. And you can look at everybody who tweeted something out that day. Every NXT superstar, anybody he shared the ring with, they all had fantastic things to say about. Now, again, that's that's being nice, maybe for the sake of being nice, but it's still, it says something that that many people wanted to celebrate either what he has done for them, watching as a fan or in their career. It says a lot about the guy. Of course, one of the things that you could go back to with Triple H was, you know, I was watching highlights earlier of his ladder match with The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship, and honestly. Man, it made me sad, uh, SP3, because I go back in the day and I look at, you know, Razor Ramon, ladder match, Intercontinental Championship, The Rock, Triple H, 
ladder match, Intercontinental Championship, all these big WrestleMania matches surrounding the Intercontinental title. Chris Jericho winning that thing 10, 11 times. I know he's like one of the double-digit winners. 10 times. 10 times. Ten or 9 times. Ten or nine. Maybe it's 9. Yeah. It might be. Nine. Oh, he's 10, times, he's 10 times with the IWGP Intercontinental. Yes, yes. That's he's 9-time WWE. 9-time WWE. So most, most reigns forever. Back in the day, man, that was the championship that you used to leapfrog, or at least the stepping stone, to move up. Because we had The Rock and Triple H and Stone Cold. They were all, Shawn Michaels, they were all fighting for the Intercontinental Championship before they moved up to the WWE title reign. Now, officially, SP3, we are going to go a full calendar year without the Intercontinental Championship being defended on a single solitary pay-per-view the last pay-per-view match for the intercontinental championship was last year's wrestlemania in the nigerian drum fight that lasted all of seven minutes and then they didn't even use the drums in the damn match oh and by the way Big E lost in his hometown in front of the first live crowd audience in what 18 months for for wwe so all of that aside big win for apollo cruz though glad to see that that's really elevated him now um <sighs> So you got the, the, the Intercontinental Championship trajectory that has just completely fallen by the wayside. The only time it's really even been kind of semi-relevant is when it's been on Sami Zayn, and that's just because what he does, because kind of like Zayn's spot on the card has kind of been solidified. He's going to get a mic. He's going to be able to put it under a spotlight. But still, it's not, it, even in the times that he's held it, it hasn't been defended on a pay-per-view at this time. Then you look at the United States Championship, which was one of the better matches last year where you had Matt Riddle defeating... Or was it Seamus who defeated Matt Riddle for the United States Championship last year? And one of the best brogue kicks I've ever seen in my damn life. Bloodied up Matt Riddle. Great match. Seamus didn't do a whole lot with it. They finally put it on Damian Priest. Dude who goes undefeated for an entire year. Then they put the damn gimmick on him, this, that, and the other thing. Long story short, we get two graphics on Friday Night SmackDown. That shows Finn Balor with that big, shiny, sexy United Ooh. States Championship and Damian Priest in the freaking Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on WrestleMania SmackDown. And Ricochet, your new Intercontinental Champion, who lost not one but two matches to Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo on last Friday, will defend the Intercontinental Championship in a triple threat match on WrestleMania SmackDown. So neither of your men's mid-card championships are going to be at WrestleMania which is ridiculous. It's a two-night event. You only have five matches set for night one at this point in time. You're telling me you can't find time to put Damian Priest and Finn Balor on that card? SP3, the WWE and Universal Championships are being unified on Sunday. Which means we're going to have one world championship <laughs> after WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. At what point does WWE start treating these mid-card championships like they actually matter? Because they're going to have to elevate them at some damn point if you're only going to have one world champion. At least that's what conventional wisdom would seem to say. Honestly, I have to answer this question with a question. At what point did WWE start treating the U.S. <laughs> and the Intercontinental Championship like they matter? You mentioned Sami Zayn. That wasn't really them paying attention to it. The Miz was champion in 2016 and did some of the best promo work of his career. And then by WrestleMania time, he was getting squashed by John Cena. So that didn't really treat it like it really mattered. You have blips throughout history, throughout yeah. the last two decades, where you'll have a champion 
that gets over, like a Santino in 2008 with the Hunkameter, or whether it be the Chris Jericho Rey Mysterio feud back in 2009, and and Rey Mysterio's overall uh, reign with the Intercontinental Championship, the U.S. title with the U.S. title open with John Cena back in 2015, or you know the first half of Damian Priest's run even last year, or Bobby Lashley with the U.S. title in 2020. Yeah, they'll have champions where they care about and they're pushing them for a while, but that's not them really treating these titles like they matter. So I don't, I think the last time these intercontinental, the intercontinental title really mattered to WWE and really fit the purpose of what it was always supposed to be was 1998 like you said with this with that SummerSlam ladder match because that actually elevated both guys in one match like I said this is a title ladies and gentlemen whether people want to remember or not back in 2003 they retired this damn title they They don't care about it They they don't care about this You've seen this with the Shinsuke Nakamura reigns. There's been great matches in the last couple of years. The Intercontinental Title Finals, uh, Championship Finals back in 2020 with AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan in the empty arena. They went nearly an hour and had a classic on SmackDown. You, the AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy versus Sami Zayn ladder match at Night of Champions. Did any of that help the Intercontinental title? Nope. So it doesn't matter if it's a great character. doesn't matter if it's a great match. They don't care about the Intercontinental title. doesn't matter if it's the old U.S. title form or the new Dipset Jesus piece form <laughs> of the U.S. title. They don't care about this title. So my question, my answer is a question of at what point did they, did they, did it really matter? And I'd say with the Intercontinental title, it was 1998, but the U.S. title was a lot, it was a, a little bit earlier, uh, a little bit in people's memories, 2015 when John Cena had it. That was yeah. the last time either of these titles mattered. I think with the Intercontinental Championship, you said it best, like it blips. Like if it's on one of their guys, like Seth Rollins run with the Intercontinental Championship was fantastic. Um, for me, you're, you're right. And, but at, at me, for me, it's like, at what point, at what point do, do they start to matter? Because they should. Because if you're going to unify the Universal and WWE Championship, that means that neither show, right, has a has their main champion anymore. So, again, conventional wisdom, thinking and things that make sense. I know that's a dangerous proposition when you're talking about WWE. You would might want to think that you would at the same time want to set up that all of a sudden now the United States title is Raw's championship, that the Intercontinental Championship is SmackDown's main men's title, and you should have guys... Like, how hard would it have been to just put Damian Priest and Finn Balor on night one? How hard would it have been the second that Big E got hurt to just call an audible and say, all right, well, we got Kofi, we got Sheamus, we got King Woods, we got Butch, we got a bunch of guys that could work with Ricochet, Angel Garza. You could have done the Scott Hall Memorial Intercontinental Ladder Match at WrestleMania. You could have put that on night two. You could have done any of that. Does, not, doesn't doesn't fit what WWE wants to do. I like know. I said, I don't I don't watch WWE for what I want or what the fans want because that is a that is that is basically watching and punishing yourself at the same time. I rather I rather watch it and realize this is what Vince wants. So that is what I am going to process my brain to want as well. Yep. Yep. No, and I get it. I get it. It just I, and I, I see these people, by the way, who are complaining at the fact that these two aren't on the card 
but Pat McAfee and Logan Paul and who's the other one? I'm forgetting. Johnny Knoxville are on the card. I'm going to stop short of just complaining that these two titles aren't on the card because putting Johnny Knoxville and Logan Paul and Pat McAfee on the card is just smart business. And this is something that you've said. They've been doing this for 38 years. This is part of WrestleMania. Bad Bunny had arguably the best damn match at last year's WrestleMania. And this is why I told Rick on here and Sportskeeda, Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn should have been for the Intercontinental title because I, I legitimately, the word-for-word word thing I said, that's the only way this IC title would make it on the card. And I am not Negro Domus. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, I'm man enough to admit when I'm wrong, and thanks to WWE, I have egg on my face for this one because I was genuinely happy when Ricochet won the IC title because me thinking in, in, that, again, WWE has plans for things. They're like, oh, okay, well, we got two nights to fill, so now we'll, we'll work out another program, plenty of time to put something together for Ricochet. You got three, four weeks. You can put something together for Ricochet, and boom, you can put it on the main card at WrestleMania. Nope, didn't do that. Wasn't on the show last week. Then he loses two matches this week. Now he's going to be on the WrestleMania kickoff. You got two nights, SP3. You got two nights, and right now we have 11 matches. And they a have two-hour kickoff shows, ladies and gentlemen, and they're putting the Andre and an Intercontinental title match on WrestleMania SmackDown. What are we filling this with? We're going to get last-minute additions. Last year at WrestleMania, we got last-minute additions. Like, they didn't even announce them. Uh, they did. I think they did the same thing for for SummerSlam as well. They had last minute additions, but they couldn't put Shinsuke Nakamura on the goddamn show. We know that much. But as of right now, night one sets up this way: you got Becky and uh, Bianca, you got the, the Stereos versus Miz and Logan Paul, McIntyre versus Happy Corbin, Usos versus Nakamura and Boogs, and then Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey, plus Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. Night two, the women's tag team title match: Knoxville, Zayn, McAfee, Theory, RK Bro, Street Profits, Alpha Academy. Edge, AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. SP3, number three here on the five count. If you could only attend one night of WrestleMania, are you choosing Saturday or Sunday? I'll go to ROH Supercard of Honor. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious, though. Like, they, neither one of those cards jump out at me. I have two to three matches max I want to see on each of those cards. On night one, I want to see both women's matches because although Ronda and Charlotte hasn't been the best buildup, I think it might be the better match between Bianca and Becky in that match because I liked their Survivor Series 2018 so match. So if they get anything close to that, that's going to be a great match. And Bianca and Becky have done a pretty good job with what they've been given as far as their story leading up. And I think they're going to have a good matchup as well. And of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin's return, I'm going to be like most fans and get wrapped up in the nostalgia of it all and seeing him have a fight with Kevin Owens that's yeah. not billed as a fight. It's billed as a talk show. And then on night night two, I want to see our boy Montez and Angelo in that three-way because the three-way Raw Tag Team title match with Seth Rollins and Kevin mm -hmm. Owens instead of the Street Profits was one of the best matches on Raw in recent memory. I think this match, if it gets time, is going to deliver that as well. AJ Styles and Edge looks like it could be a bona fide WrestleMania classic. And then the main event, just for the outcome, because of how they booked this, it seems designed for the babyface to win and Brock Lesnar overcoming the odds and beating Roman Reigns. But 
we all know that Vince McMahon has wanted Roman Reigns to beat Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania. So this, whether people realize that or not, this main event is very, it has a little intrigue in the outcome of what, what it's going to be, although we have seen this match to death. So between two cards, I want to see six different matches and three on each night. So yeah, I pick ROH Supercard of Honor because there's five matches I want to see on that card. I'll pick GCW Joey Janela Spring Break 6 on Thursday because there's like four or five matches I want to see on that card. I'll pick For the Culture because I want to see Black wrestlers exceed and have a big spotlight. I'll, I'll pick that on a Friday. There are so many events around WrestleMania. I want to see more than WrestleMania itself. For me, I'm not going to go that extreme like I, i'm excited to be in there and for dallas and look i'm 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 going for free because i'm covering it as a member of the media so i don't you know i don't have to pay for it so i'm i'm I, well, I gotta pay for my flight but still i'm i'm excited to be there for for both nights of the show um you know people will look at you know the the stuff around me and say well clearly i'm gonna choose night one because i want to watch becky lynch and bianca belair wrestle uh to which i will say can we move that to night two uh because i look at the card for night one so far Mysterios and Miz and Logan Paul. I understand why it's on the show. It ain't for me. I think Drew McIntyre and Happy Corbin, uh, low key, could be a a, a banger that not a lot of people are expecting because I think those two guys are going to put together a good match. But the build, not for me. Uso, Shinsuke Nakamura, Rick Boogs. Okay, it'll probably be good. Usos, maybe they retain. I don't know. And then yeah, you're right. Charlotte and Ronda. I mean, I think that's the match I'm most excited to see and i say that because there is a part of me that is nervous that becky and bianca are going to get so much less time than they actually deserve there is a part of me that is worried that that match could be under 60 seconds which is unfathomable to think that that could happen because you only have five matches on night one so far so when you look at night two yeah i think low-key banger this fatal four-way for the women's tag team championships is if it gets time could steal the show the triple threat tag team match, if it gets time, that could steal the show. Extremely excited for Edge and AJ Styles. Yes, there's a lot of intrigue with the, the winner-takes-all match for the main event. But even Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn has my full attention. Yeah, and like a and week ago... And Pat McAfee. And like a week ago, I would have said night one over night two, but they like they they went back and forth on the Edge and AJ Styles. It was like, whichever night gets Edge and AJ Styles, that's the night to go to. And since it's Sunday, yeah. If, I, if, if you put a gun to me and I had to pick one of those nights over all the other events that I mentioned, then, yeah, I'll probably go with Sunday. Yeah, and we, we still got other matches that are going to be added. We the, the If you believe the reports from FightfulSelect.com, Bobby Lashley and Omos is going to be on the card, but unfortunately that doesn't do anything for me because Omos doesn't do a whole lot for me. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, that's the outlier, right? If that gets added to night one, which it should, okay. Sign me up. Now you have officially added a match that kind of even evens the playing field. If you put that on night two, oh, that completely tips the scales way, way over. But to be fair to WWE, it, it's kind of the smart move because when you look at or when I said when I when they said they were going to do two nights of WrestleMania, I always said night two is the harder sell. Night one, you could sell you could sell one night in that AT&T stadium. Night two is the harder sell. So I understand if they're going to stack night two. Sure. And look, Stone Cold Steve Austin is the one that's going to sell night one anyway. Just would sell a lot better if they actually would have just said, yeah, he's going to be competing in a match. But he's not. 
Uh, and interesting, if you if you guys pay attention to, to the news out there, and I know some of you don't pay attention to the news out there, and, and good on you. Get, go out there and live your lives. Don't live on Twitter. Uh, but WWE filed for an interesting trademark, SP3, and usually that's that's not a good thing. We all remember when they filed for Dewdrop, right? We all remember that when they filed for that. Yeah, how well that worked out. They filed for the grand jury. The grand jury. Bad name, but and maybe this is just me kind of connecting dots that don't exist. But I went back as soon as I heard this, that they filed for the grand jury. I immediately thought, okay, maybe this could be a new faction. And then the light bulb went off because I went back and I listened to Edge's promo from last Monday, or excuse me, two Mondays ago, where he's talking about being on his mountain of omnipotence. Hey, I said it right this time. I practiced that so much, so much trying to get that word right this week standing on his 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 mountain and he's going to judge AJ Styles. He won't be judged by the audience. He used the word judged a lot in that promo 2 weeks ago. And now all of a sudden WWE files for the grand jury. And I'm sitting here and I'm going okay, maybe these dots don't exist that I'm trying to connect here, but the idea of this new darker edge leading a stable of maybe up and coming stars or guys who need their status elevated. Like we talked about with evolution gets me extremely excited. And I, I like the prospect of that. If that's the direction that they're going. And I hope it is. Do you see the dots? Are you connecting those same dots or do you think something differently when they No, because it wasn't just the grand jury. It was WWE grand jury. And I just thought WWE judgment day. It's gonna. I think it's gonna be a network special or a network docu series that they do. Like we're gonna judge these. E- like they just did WWE Evil. They don't. They don't think about very creative stuff. Even though they do put a lot of work into their documentaries, they don't do a lot of work as far as ke- coming out with creative titles for their documentaries. So I could see something like WWE Grand Jury, where they have, uh, you know, WWE legends judge, uh, you know, superstars of the past. For their crimes or something like that i think this is going to be a series this is going to be a series on the peacock network and wwe network more than it's going to be a faction and stable because our good friend stephanie hypes has put it best wwe don't have factions like the baby faces don't have friends the heels the heels the heels are friends but only for a, a period of time before they turn on each other or have a match over a talk show at wrestlemania so like yeah i i don't see it it would be fucking awesome though, wouldn't it? Like, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to think who who could. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. Uh, when you said Edge in a stable, I immediately thought of La Familia, and I was like, that didn't work out too well. So I'm not all for that. I mean, Edge was a part of the Brood, but people like to you know fi- uh, you know fictionalize the Brood like it was this mo- mo- monumental stable when sure. it really only lasted for like six months at best. Because that how the attitude era ran so fast. So it's been nearly 20, 25 years since Edge was in a good stable. So I'm sorry. If if Edge is given creative freedom over it, which he does get a lot of liberties, I think it could work, especially if you put the right people in there. And I'm starting to plug pieces and you know, I'm trying to think of like an old school type faction where you have Edge as the leader. Maybe you get somebody who can be kind of like 
uh, an enforcer role, maybe somebody like a, a Tommaso Ciampa. That would be a great way to really kind of solidify his spot on the main roster if he is moving up after stand and deliver. Putting him next to Edge, not a bad idea. Maybe you could bring in the Viking Raiders who need a completely call them war machine again and remind people just how of a dominant of a tag team they are. And then for the love of God, like adding in a female as a member of a faction, which they really don't like to do up on the main roster at all. Somebody who could use a little bit of a change of a direction, a new identity, not changing her name, but like a new focus and get her elevated again talking about elevating her to a new level somebody like a Liv morgan makes a lot of sense to me you could take something like that and make it work i think edge could do it i'm not saying it has to be those guys i'm just saying a situation like that i think it could work i think this is why people like believe in pro wrestling podcasts because you think about wwe way differently than i do i don't think about things that wwe have not done or would not do and think of it like this could happen, and I'm no, I don't do that. I don't. And that I feel like you're 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 just setting yourself up for failure, sir. No, I'm not. I'm I'm fighting the good fight of what should and hope, and I don't like to use the word could because very rarely it doesn't happen. But I don't I do like should or hope with WWE, I, ladies I, and gentlemen. I like, I like the idea of trying to improve the product and analyzing things and saying what they it, should do instead of what they are doing. Ladies and gentlemen, there's like a hundred other promotions in the world where you could do should and hope for. It's not WWE. Uh, let's go to one of those promotions right now. Uh, Tony Khan making another announcement, an announcement about an announcement. We're going to have another announcement this Wednesday. The Owen Hart qualifying match against the Bunny is going to be a new signee to AEW. There is a uh, murderer's row of heavy hitters out there right now for free agents as far as the women's division is concerned. Who do you want to see as this new signee? Now, who do you think it's going to be? Because there's really not a whole lot of indications one way or the other. Maybe a little bit if you pay attention to social media, but who do you want it to be? I want it to be either Athena or Tony Storm. And I think that both of those ladies, I think, are on their way to AEW. Got to shout out uh, my good friend, Will Washington of Draft City Podcast and Day After Dynamite. I was on Day After Dynamite this week. And I, and he said on Grab City this week that there are three females that he hears might be in the running to join AEW, either for this or somewhere down the road. And when I think about those three females, two of them would be Athena and Tony Storm. And I think they've already kind of set up Athena's storyline with being the 30th person to verse Jade Cargill and her coming in for that. So I think this is a great role for Tony Storm to come in. Her 90-day non-complete clause, if she had that, would expire the, today, I mean, uh, yesterday. And then Wednesday, have her do the big debut. It's a great spot for her. This is a place where I think that Tony Storm would be at the should should be elevated almost immediately. Yep. This is the type of person that you groom for the next uh four to six months to be the person to dethrone Thunder Rosa, but starting her out in you know, winning her opening round matchup in the Owen Hart Cup and then eventually maybe winning this cup to set her up further down the road to potentially become TBS champion or AEW Women's World Champion. Tony Storm, I think this is the right spot for her. I agree with you. I hope it is Tony. You can't go for everything that you just said, so there's no point in me repeating it. Um, but you, honestly, you can't go wrong here. If it's Tony, awesome. If it's Athena, 
awesome. If it's Mia Yim, fan freaking tastic. Sign me up for that. Another name I'm going to throw out there, Taya Valkyrie. If you're not Tony Storm, if you're Tony Storm and you're not going, yeah, we should probably sign all four of these ladies and really solidify the depth of our women's division because you need, again, more challengers for Jay Cardgill, but you also need opponents for, for Thunder Rosa as well. Like they could really use a, a kind of fresh infusion of talent because they don't have the deepest women's roster. Like it's it's about 20 deep, but they could use a little bit more star power in there for sure. It's bringing in all four of these ladies over the next few weeks. You could have one qualifying match after a qualifying match after a qualifying match where you introduce a new female talent every four weeks. Sign me up for that. Now I'm not Tony Khan. I'm not going to tell him how to spend his money. But if I was Tony Khan, this is how I'd spend my money. I bring in all four of them, all four of them. But as far as this week, yeah, sign me up for Tony Storm as well. One more for the road, SB3, before we wrap up. Does Cody show up tonight on Raw? Does it finally happen? No. <laughs> Seth Rollins has been called to Vince McMahon's office. By the time that this, uh, this airs, two hours after this uh, officially airs at 7 a.m., as we always do, he will have been called to Vince McMahon's office, like a uh, you know principal calling down the high school class clown, and they're going to have a talking to. A lot of tonight is going to be built around what Seth Rollins is going to be doing at WrestleMania. He says tonight's Raw, what WrestleMania Raw, ain't going to happen if he don't get his moment. Last week desperately needed Cody Rhodes. I think tonight is def desperately going to need Cody Rhodes. The, uh, again, I will admit when, when I'm wrong. I officially said after Jacksonville, don't bring Cody out until WrestleMania. I was wrong about that. Tonight needs to be the night. You got to set up the night. Build some buzz. Build some buzz for this match and for night one specifically heading into WrestleMania. That's what I would do. I hope he shows up tonight. Do I think he's going to show up tonight? Nah. It, no. 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 And I want I want to do one more as the Cody verse turns on True Hill Heat <laughs> 169 on Friday. So nice. Cody, don't debut just yet. All right, again, guys, here's the lineup. All right, you got our first show there. Our interview with Montez Ford drops at three o'clock this afternoon. Post Raw stand and deliver preview. True Heel Heat Dynamite Takeover. Our big prediction show with Renee Paquette this Friday at 7 a.m. And then Believe in Pro Wrestling Live Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're gonna break down night one get all your live comments all your live concerns and then set you up for a huge wrestlemania sunday we are just getting started get hyped everyone it is wrestlemania week and we are just getting underway this is the believe in pro wrestling podcast thank you so much for tuning in it has been brought to you by bet online thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.